Van Riken Productions presents The Tome, Episode 2. Written by Gerald Van Riken. Performed by a full cast. Welcome back, dear listeners, to another thrilling episode of The Tome. Last time, we followed Professor Augustus Hawthorne. He had come across an old book filled with mysterious writing and drawings. We then met Detective Ray Graham, who was investigating a ritualistic murder and visited Hawthorne seeking help in deciphering the symbols that had been carved with expert precision into the victim's corpse. Hawthorne had appeared hesitant, but agreed to assist. Afterward, Detective Graham had interviewed the victim's wife, Alice, who had confirmed that her husband had been an avid book collector and had acquired a strange leather-bound tome she described a disturbing incident where he appeared to be possessed by the book's contents. Detective Graham then visited a bookstore whose owner, Glenn, confirmed that Hawthorne had recently acquired a book matching Graham's description. The professor, influenced by an unknown force, heard mysterious voices urging him to find the others and was compelled to take the book and leave his house. As our story continues, be sure to keep your wits about you as we delve ever deeper into this most peculiar tale. Detective Graham's hands tapped nervously on the steering wheel as he drove through the streets of Twin Rivers, eyes darting in all directions, as if he expected to find Professor Hawthorne doddering down the side of the road. No such luck. The sky was filling with dark storm clouds. Ray's pattern-seeking brain gave him thoughts about a storm being a bad omen. He shook his head to clear the idea. Nonsense. He pulled up once again to Professor Hawthorne's home outside of town, stepped up to the door and used his best policeman's knock to get the old man's attention. Professor! Professor, open up! Urgent police business! Silence. He knocked again. Nothing. After knocking a few more times, he decided he would peer into some of the windows on the first floor, seeing nothing inside. He wasn't about to break in without a warrant, but it didn't seem that the old man was home. He decided that he would head to the station, put an APB out for Professor Hawthorne, and enlist some help in finding him. The station was largely empty. Twin Rivers was a small town, and there weren't too many officers to begin with. It seemed that most were out on patrol or working calls. He headed to his office, picked up the receiver of his phone, and dialed dispatch. After a brief exchange, he was assured that an APB would be put out. His radio confirmed this several minutes later. He looked up as a figure passed by his office door. A woman in her mid-twenties, blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail, her uniform neatly pressed. 
He walked over to his office door and leaned out. The woman was heading towards the break room. Officer Henley. Detective, good morning. I didn't see you come in. Are you working in assignment? Not at the moment. How can I help? Ray beckoned her into his office and gestured vaguely at the chair opposite his desk. She sat. He observed her for a moment. Officer Cynthia Henley, or Cindy for short, was an outstanding canine officer, top of her class at the academy, and had done a stint in Indianapolis for a few years before transferring to Twin Rivers, on the grounds that city life as an officer was bad for her mental health. Her love of animals and her top-notch work ethic made her an ideal officer, just what Ray was looking for. Given that this was a small town, Cindy was also a good friend, she and his wife often going to brunch on Sundays. I need some help working the Marshfield case. A murder investigation? That's a bit above my pay grade, isn't it? Maybe, but I can handle the investigating part. I need help finding somebody. The detective laid out the situation, putting emphasis on the importance of finding Professor Hawthorne. Cindy listened intently, sitting straight in her chair, attentive and focused. So, we have a strange body, a missing book, and an MIA elderly man. He can't be too far, can he? I haven't been able to find him anywhere. He must be spry for his age. Will you help me? I can't say I have much else to do. Let me get my stuff. I'll bring Maverick, too. Officer Henley went back to her desk and retrieved her badge and sidearm, throwing her jacket on as well, as rain was now pattering once again against the windows of the building. She gave a short whistle, and a large German shepherd bounced happily out of another room. Good boy. Right, let's go. The three of them departed, opting to take Ray's car rather than a cruiser. Just in case they found Hawthorne, they didn't want to scare the poor man. Professor Hawthorne found himself walking determinedly through the woods east of town, his stride confident, the book held tightly to his chest. He had been walking for a while now, at least an hour and a half by his watch, and he should be exhausted. His old body normally had trouble getting around the house, let alone traversing the wilderness. But something within him was empowering his limbs, making him feel young and strong once again. His mind was filled with one thing. Find the others. The words rang like a clarion call in his brain. He even ignored the sudden downpour of rain. Soon, Augustus. We are nearly there. Soon you will find your purpose. What will I find? Power. Destiny. Augustus plowed forward, ignoring bushes and ducking low-hanging trees. He didn't even notice that after a certain point the birds had stopped singing. The sounds of squirrels and other critters had fallen silent. All that could be heard was the wind whistling through the pines, the heavy rainfall, and the sound of blood rushing in his ears. He soon found himself in a clearing, the trees forming a natural ring around an open, grassy space. What is this place? 
A place of power. A place where they will be awakened. Who are they? The others. As the words reached his ears, he knew them to be the truth. He felt safe, comfortable. He would find the others and all would be well. He stepped into the center of the clearing. What do you require of me? The others require sacrifice. Blood for blood. Life for life. It was at this moment Professor Hawthorne felt it. The strange sanctity of this place. A low thrum of energy that rumbled gently in his chest. He felt strong, clear in his purpose. He searched along the tree line until he found a patch of rocks, bashing a stone off of a larger boulder until it was rendered jagged and dangerous. He stepped back into the center of the clearing and without a second thought began to draw the sharp edge of the rock up his left wrist, blood immediately gushing forth. Blood for blood. Life for life. As he spoke, the book, which the professor had set upon the ground, rose into the air and floated before him. The pages began to turn of their own accord, opening to a drawing of a mysterious fanged maw. It looked hungry. In an instant, the book flashed and vanished. No! The book! Where did it go? It has been moved to a safe place. A place to mark the center of the hunt. The others will feed. Augustus was beginning to feel woozy from blood loss. The strength that he had been imbued with left him, and every muscle in his body was immediately in agony. He collapsed, suddenly feeling empty and cold. He watched in horror as, before him, the very air appeared to split open. It was not unlike a hanging drape being torn, except the fabric was instead the very space of the clearing. The tear in reality lengthened, drawing a line of billowing darkness to the ground, then expanded outward, opening some sort of doorway. The professor watched in silent terror as two figures emerged from the mysterious portal. They had arms and legs and a head, but seemed to be made entirely of flickering darkness. As they stepped forth and looked about, the opening closed behind them. As the professor's eyes fluttered shut, the last thing he witnessed was the shadowy figures materializing dark robes about themselves, strange bird-like masks manifesting over their featureless faces. Then everything went black. on the east of town, heading off into the woods, off Maple Street. Mostly washed away by the rain, but found some broken branches and flat grass. Might be Hawthorne. Ray immediately pulled a U-turn, facing the car east. Acknowledged. Thanks, Perry. You need backup, Ray? I've got Officer Henley with me, and Maverick too. It's just an old man, we've got this. But get EMTs on the scene, you might be hurt. The radio sputtered in affirmative response. Graham and Henley sped off to the spot described. 
Why would he wander off into the woods? Not a clue. He can't have gotten far. You said he was in his late 50s, right? At least. Well, hopefully he's not hurt. As the two drove, the rain continued to pour down. It took about 20 minutes to cross town. Getting out of the car, they both immediately made their way to the waiting cruiser, dog in tow. Officer Perry sat in his car, radio blasting some sort of glam rock, cigarette smoke wafting out of the open car window. Officer Perry. Detective. Show me the spot, please, and turn that stereo off. This new music hurts my ears. Come on, Detective. Motley Crue rocks. Despite his protest, Perry shut the radio off and stepped out of his vehicle, leading them to a spot some 20 yards away. He gestured to the mostly washed away footprints and broken bush branches. Looks like he's wearing some sort of wingtips. Not exactly shoes for hiking. Need me to go in with you? No, wait here for the EMTs. I'll radio when we find him. Alright, I'll stay back here. Ray grabbed the first aid kit from the trunk of his car, while Cindy helped Maverick pick up the professor's scent, and the three set off into the woods, soaked through from the rain, feet and paws squelching in the thick mud. They walked for more than an hour, the rain eventually letting up for the moment. Maverick was hot on the trail, tail wagging furiously as he went. Professor Hawthorne had not been subtle in his journey, but the storm had done them no favors. They were glad that they had the dog. How did he even get this far? The trail seems to still be going, too. I have no idea. I'm starting to get very concerned. As they approached the clearing, they both gasped in unison. Professor Hawthorne lay some 15 feet away, clearly unconscious, soaking wet and bleeding from one arm. Oh my god! They rushed over to the body, Detective Graham opening the first aid kit and Officer Henley immediately checking for a pulse. Pulse is faint, but there. He's dying! Found Hawthorne. Code 1045C. Get EMTs out here now. Officer Henley will meet them. Ray shook his head as he began to clean and dress the jagged wound running the length of Professor Hawthorne's inner forearm. He had no way to know how long the old man had been bleeding. Cindy immediately took off the way they came. Eventually, she returned with three EMTs, two of them carrying a stretcher, the other a large case. They set about caring for Professor Hawthorne, and the detective stepped away, pulling a silver cigarette case from his coat pocket, setting one to his lips and lighting it. What the fuck is going on here? Dear listeners, stay tuned for the next episode of The Tome, where answers await and new horrors lie in the shadows. Until then, keep your wits about you, for in the world of ancient mysteries, nothing is as it seems.